by signing with the Edmonton Eskimos to back up Mike Riley for this 2018 season. Kevin Glenn has officially run the CFL gamut, having been a member of all nine active CFL teams. Hey everybody, it's your friends Chez and Balls here on the Waggle with another fun edition. And it's guess what, Chez? It's quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and more quarterbacks once again because that's been the reigning story this offseason, buddy. You thought you were a DJ when we were about to record this episode as we talked. You said, it's the hits, play the hits, play the hits, play the hits. <laughs> the quarterbacks are the hits. It is. It is what it is, it, but it, this is a show jam-packed with quarterback news. One of the, one of that uh, one of those breaking breaking stories. Uh, our boy KG going going to Edmonton, which is he's now on every CFL team, which is crazy to even think that somebody could do that. We'll talk about that a bit later, but. Uh, that's the one that's uh, that's I cracked up when I saw that. Absolutely. It seemed it but just seems it. right. Kinda, it yeah, just absolutely. seems right. You felt good about it. You're like, yeah, yeah, he's done it. He's run the gamut. I mean, I I feel like if you've come that close, and I'm sure it's not always fun trying to find a place to live. Like, think about that for anybody that's had to move. Like to me, moving is one of the most stressful, pain in the ass things you'll ever do in life. Never mind doing it like nine times. And I've relocated. Uh, Have you ever had a hemorrhoid? <laughs> you know, sadly, I have had a hemorrhoid. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. They don't tickle. Moving I mean, ain't nothing. Not, you know what? Moving's you know what? Moving, you know what? I moving, love moving. Yeah. Moving might be less painful than a hemorrhoid. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's a guy across the street right now moving. I might go help his ass. Yeah. You know, get get yourself an elastic. Just for and, fun. Yeah. Get yourself an elastic and some preparation H, and you'll be covered. Um. <laughs> um. Hey, don't forget that the waggle on that note. Don't forget the waggle is brought to you by our friends at Sport Clips. Remember, you too can style and profile just like Chez and yours truly by finding the nearest Sport Clips and be sure to use Davis's go-to, the Sport Clips MVP haircut experience. We're talking massaging shampoos, hot steam towels, sports on TV, you know, football, hockey, baseball, basketball, sports people. Oh, and legendary haircuts as well. And did I mention sports? And then there's free stuff too, Chazzy. My, my dude, my dude. Go to cfl.ca slash the waggle. That'll get you that free coupon to redeem for a free cut on your first visit. Go to cfl.ca backslash the waggle and get that coupon. Bring that in, redeem that, and get all that, uh, I don't know, that stuff James is talking about that sounded real uh, sensual. But it's not really sensual. It's really just getting a cut and watch some sports. But... All right, all right, let's go. That's it, man. It's a free haircut, and all you uh, just for listening to us. So cfl.ca slash waggle. Hey James, sport clips. Hey it's James, good to be a guy. Find a sport clips near you at sportclips.ca. There you go. What are you saying? I love I love sports sport clips, and and I also I also love talking with you. But I do wonder why when we're reading about our wonderful sponsors, sport clips, and we're talking about them, why do you go into adult entertainment voice? 
What, like, what is it that makes you turn into your adult entertainment voice when talking about getting a haircut at the shop and watching some sports with your with your people? You know, why do you go into adult entertainment mode? I feel like I always wanted to and never got the job that I always wanted to apply to be a DJ at a strip club when I was younger. I always oh. thought that would have been the best job. In the but the worst job, you know what I mean? Like, all right, guys and girls, put your <laughs> or, or all right, guys and gals, put your hands put together your hands for together. bubbles <laughs> for Violet. Oh yes. Oh, before oh, I before oh. we dive into Darian, I just I want you to give me the definitive word on this. Uh, as a guy who played cornerback in the CFL and the NFL as an All Star as a DB, tell me this. Uh, it, it's probably the most talked about football play of the year. And I'm talking about what happened in the NFC playoffs between Minnesota and new Orleans, you know, with seconds and seconds set to expire. Marcus Williams going in on, on Stefan Diggs. You know, what was he doing? Explain from a, from a DB standpoint, give me the definitive word. What happened there? Was he just like, was he trying to make a play? Was that the worst tackle ever? Was that me just trying to figure out video game controls on Madden or, or what? I have a lot of respect for everybody in, in the industry of media. I really do. I have a lot of respect that I didn't realize how difficult it was until I jumped in this, in this large pool with you and try to figure out how to swim. But can I do one thing for everybody here? Because I do know I do know defensive back play. And I made a lot of bad mistakes and I, I made some plays. But let me share one thing with everybody out there in media. Are you are you people all insane? Nobody I don't think I haven't heard one guy yet say that Marcus Williams did not miss the tackle, that he simply was avoiding trying to get a passenger, avoiding getting a pass interference call. That's what Marcus Williams was doing. And yes, he. so what he did, it was actually a heads-up play from Marcus Williams. Now, he didn't execute it properly, but the thought process that he had as a rookie in that pressure situation, I was actually impressed with that. And what I mean by that, he, he realized as he broke on the ball, he realized that he was going to get to the receiver, Stephon Diggs. He was going to get to Diggs early. And... He realized that if he got there early, that was the only way that would stop the clock on a pass interference. It would stop the clock and give the Vikings a chance right there from that spot to kick a game-winning field goal. So he realized that halfway through his break, he said, uh-oh, I'm early. I got to get out the way so I don't so I don't hit the man early, and I just gotta, someone's got to wrap him up, tackle him. But what happened was the execution was terrible, as our guy on TNT was terrible. And he swung his legs, he fell down, swung his legs around, and actually took out Ken Crawley, who was the only other guy that could make the tackle in the play. At that point, he did not know that. He was just getting out of the way. But all you see in all these, these memes and these gifts, and I sent one out too that I thought was someone else sent out that I thought was hilarious, showed him with his head down, staring at the ground as Diggs caught the ball and ran past him. But the reason he had his head down, if I hear one more guy on the radio or on TV uh, talking about you got to keep your head up when you tackle. That's the first thing you learn in football, you jackass. You got to keep your head up when you tackle. You're the jackass. He wasn't trying to tackle the man. He was t- ducking to get out of the way because his momentum was bringing him back towards Diggs, and he realized he was early. And so he was. it was a heads-up play by him, just really poorly executed. And in that situation, at that point of the game, on that stage, 
he's going to live with that and hear about that forever. But people who are reporting on this and no one seems to get it is driving me flipping insane. It's driving me crazy that no one catches this. But uh, yes, that's, that's my take on that. He was not, ladies and gentlemen, Marcus Williams was not trying to tackle Stephon Diggs. That's why he had his head down, and that's why it looks like he threw the game or he can't tackle because he was trying to break up the pass. He got there too early, and he had to duck out of the way because he did not want to stop the clock with a penalty and have the Vikes have an opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal. Struck a nerve, apparently. <laughs> Damn right. I like it. I like it. Okay, let's dive it's in insane. here. It's insane. I've heard it on every station. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, there you go. In, in defense of Marcus Williams right there, and, and a logical explanation from a guy who's played the position and played it at an incredibly high level. So, Chesie, let's dive in here. You touched on double Ds. And let's up, start that's with up for du- debate. Let, let's, let's start with – well, okay, it's a subjective thing. Let's start with double Ds sure. and uh, Darian Durant. His time with uh, the Montreal Wets effectively a one-and-done with uh, respect to a season as he was cut uh, or released by the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, the 35-year-old, look, they went out and they went in and made the move last offseason, and he started 15 games for the Owls in 2017, over 3,200 yards passing. Uh, but you look at, you know, the touchdowns and the interceptions, uh, you know, there was a glaring number right there, just 15 touchdown passes, 16 picks in his one year as a starter in Montreal. So uh, just three wins in 2017. They went all in offensively, you know, bringing in Darian, bringing in Ernest Jackson, bringing in Javon Olafoye, and uh, it was a it was a big bust uh, for I guess uh, for the mix. It just it just did not click. So uh, this all comes just days after the Alouettes bring in Josh Freeman, the former NFL starter. So uh, where do you want to start here? With I guess I guess the question: Where now for Darian Durant? Because I, is it fair to say his time as a starter? I, I, it seems to me his time as a starter, at least for the time being, is over in the Canadian Football League based on what's out there right now. There's only one there's only one spot right now open for a starting quarterback and that's Montreal. He just left there. And and it was discussed and Cavis Reese said it that he was open to having Darian back at a discounted rate uh, with some incentives and and to come back and compete for that job. And if Darian really wanted to to right that wrong and and to and to you know, earn the money he made last year and to and try to help it get back. He would have resigned because he this he knows darn well. Darian's a smart dude. He knows that this was the best situation for him to be a starting quarterback. Now, he might not believe in the process there, and for him and what happened last year and how porous that offense looked and how um, that roster was just. Uh, I've said it time and time again. That roster was was the worst talent wise was the worst roster in the league it is what it is and, and it's they're going to make changes uh, and, and i hope uh, it seems cavis has said at the meetings that we that we heard about the out there in, in banff that that this is going to be a whole different roster it's going to have a different look to this roster and i'm glad to hear that because i heard many times in press conferences and in the media that they felt like they had the talent to win games. And I kept hearing that and hearing that. And I even heard the president, Patrick Boyvin, say that they felt like they had the talent to win games. Well, guys, you don't. And you didn't. And if you think that you did have the talent to win those games, uh, it's going to be the same thing next year. And and so that being said, for Darian, uh, I will say uh, 
you know, he had a raw deal because he gets a lot of the blame. And, and he was working with a, a half a deck in regards to talent, and, but he didn't help himself. And he didn't help himself because he didn't play well. Uh, not only was he inaccurate and missing throws, you know, quite consistently, but the big thing to me with, with Darian is, is the passion I didn't see. And I'm not going to question the, the, the character or the drive of Darian Durant because he's, he's a great cup champion. He's proven to be a very, very good quarterback in this league for a long time. He obviously wouldn't be where he is in, in athletics in his life if he wasn't a gamer and didn't have heart. But the way he carried himself on the field when they were cons- consistently getting drug as a fan, as a teammate, I wouldn't like it. And, and it's not everyone can be – you know, Tom Brady or and Mike Riley, guys who are rah, rah, rah all the time. But, you know, you can only be a cool customer when you're winning. You know, when you're getting whooped, sometimes you got you to gotta slam your fist on the, on the table and say, enough's enough. I'm going to make a play. I'm going to do something. And I continually, as I, as I call the games for TSN Montreal, and I, I continuously said, you know what? This is a game that Darian's going to come out and he's going he's gonna to put the team on his back. And I didn't see that, and not from an execution standpoint, but from, you know, I didn't see it from an execution standpoint either, but I didn't see it as he was trying to put the team on his back, and that's, that's the part that, that uh, frustrated, I think, a lot of Al's fans, and that's why this decision was an easy decision to move on, because that fan base, I think they're trying to build something there, bringing in Mike Sherman and a new, a new coaching staff. Uh, I think they're trying to build something, bringing in Josh Freeman, I think they're trying to build something there, and you cannot bring back Darian. Although, James, Darian, I think, and this is, this is going to sound crazy, but Darian, and this is probably a tougher decision for Cavis Reed than everyone else, all of us outsiders think it is, Darian was probably the best option at quarterback. Yeah. At this point in time for the Montreal Alouettes, Darian Durant was probably their best option. Yeah, I, at, at this point, it's hard to argue with that. With with Zach Caleros ultimately going to the Riders and what's out there right now for the Frank, time Franklin being, Franklin gone to you, Toronto. You weren't, you weren't, was, you weren't gonna, yeah, and you and you weren't gonna, you you weren't going to bring back Kevin Glenn because you you've already tried to experiment with that the year prior. You know, Darian, yeah, Darian would have made. You know what's crazy to think? Um, something else to choose. There's no other options. Once Zach yeah. and Franklin, the two biggest names were Zach. And Franklin were the two biggest names that were possibly going to be available, and both of them are locked up. So that's that's the issue. So right now, I guess on the Owls roster, they've got Josh Freeman, who they signed. You've got pending free agent Drew Willie in the mix. You've got Matt Schultz, and you've got Antonio Antonio Pimpkins. Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of bodies, but Josh Freeman. I mean, no pressure, Josh, but you better be good because at this stage of the game. I just don't know. To me, I, I would say at this point in time, Darian Durant will probably go into a backup scenario. And so where ultimately does that fall? I think at this point in time, the options that would uh, come to mind for me right now would be Hamilton could be a possibility depending on what happens with Johnny Manziel. Um, and what they, you know, if, if, if Manziel doesn't ultimately land in Hamilton, so then what do you do? You're going to need a legitimate backup quarterback, right, for Jeremiah Masoli. So do you bring in Darian Durant there? Um, do you consider him in Winnipeg, a team that would probably want to have an upgrade in terms of their backup quarterback to have a veteran guy 
to be behind Matt Nichols might make sense there. Um, and then there's the other one that I'll tell you what it hits home for me here on the West coast, but uh, you know, a capable veteran backup for Jonathan Jennings in the event that Travis Lule and, and I think Travis Lule, I think the lions are probably going to turn the page on. It feels more and more likely that that's going to be the case, uh, whether or not Travis Lule comes back. And you suggested that if Travis Lule does want to come back, maybe Montreal is a fit for, for the owls to maybe take a flyer on him as an insurance policy or somebody to compete for a job with Josh Freeman. But you know, I think that those are the three options that that's come to mind for me now, uh, BC, Winnipeg, probably the most likely and maybe an outside chance of, uh, of Hamilton possibly depending on what happens. And I guess, depending if Ricky Ray ultimately calls it a career too in, in Toronto, if, uh, if James Franklin becomes the guy, yeah, the first the first place that I thought of when this happened was Winnipeg, and I, I stated that right away. Winnipeg seems like a spot because we saw what Dominic Davis did when he got in yeah. uh, at the end enough. of the year when Nichols went down. It wasn't good, and he's been there too. That's the that's the issue. Yeah. It's that he's been there. I think this is his third year, so he's had time to learn the system and be there. So that they're going to turn the page on that too. Someone's going to come in and compete for that job. In Winnipeg as the backup, that could be Darien, and that's a team that's built. They can win. They have a great defense. They have a running game. They have you know, a good old line, a very good old line. They can win, and if they got beat up at the quarterback spot, all of a sudden they're out the mix. So that's why that's a fit for Darien. He also spent time in that area for a long time out there in Saski, not too far away. So that's one reason. But then I did a little bit of digging today and, and yesterday evening, and, and I have some sources that tell me that the Darian is is a more of a possibility in Ontario. Uh, I think Darian uh, a cup. I heard this at a couple different places now that that I think Darian wants to be in that area. So uh, that being said, look at look at Darian for as you said, Toronto and Hamilton. Depending on what happens with the two guys uh, that are still have yet to make decisions there, which you mentioned, that's Ricky Ray on his retirement, and that's uh, the guy from what do you call it, from Texas A and M. That, that guy in his decision. So whatever either one of those two places don't get, uh, if Ricky doesn't come back or the Texas A&M guy doesn't sign, I'm with you. That's That will be my first place that Darian will go. He'll either be the backup in Hamilton or the backup in Toronto, depending on what those two guys do. Yeah, that uh, those seem that no, it makes a whole lot of sense when you want to try to connect the dots on that. So that brings us to... He lives in Atlanta, he lives in Atlanta Georgia. Yes. He has folks in Ontario. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He's he wants to be out this this direction. That makes that makes sense, especially at this stage of his career at thirty five as a veteran and, guy. And and listen, he can still get paid and, and make some pretty good money in that sort of scenario. Uh, which brings us back to I guess what the and nap- as a jack and then one more one more thing, James. As yeah. a backup as well, I just want to say as a backup quarterback, you're less inclined to to make a move, uh, you know, for your career versus your life. Because if you're the guy, then you say, you know what, I'm going to move to Winnipeg and be the guy because this is what's going to, for my career and yada, yada, yada. When you're not playing, if you're the backup, there's a chance you don't play at all. Now you got to think more about life choices and close to your family, close to your home, closer to other interests you have other than football. Makes sense. So which brings us to the now then for the Montreal Alouettes. And that's, I think they're hoping that Josh Freeman's going to be that guy and and here's a guy, he's only 30, so he's not ancient by any stretch, and he hasn't really played football in the last couple of years. So you know, he's probably a fresh 30 by NFL or by pro football standards. But here's a guy who was a three-year starter in the National Football League, Davis. And it's funny to think that uh, like, here's a guy who's 
you know, who is a a guy who's had a lot of success, and yet the news of him actually signing pales into comparison about, you know, the other guy who might have some potential signing here in the Canadian Football League. And yet, look at what he's accomplished in the National Football League. A three-year starter, almost 50 career touchdowns, started 61 games. Uh, big guy, too. Six foot six, 230 pounds. We'll see how that translates on the bigger field here in Canada, but uh, here's a guy with legitimate pro experience who's played in pro systems that under Mike Sherman, this just might be exactly what Mike Sherman needs for his offense. Talent-wise, this is the right move. And you said it, you said it. Everyone's in awe over the other guy. This guy had way more success on the big stage at the big show in the National Football League. Josh Freeman had a whole lot more success than Johnny did. But, you know, be fair, he also got – drafted to a team that you know had a defense and a run game in, in in Tampa Bay where it was a different situation in Cleveland but nonetheless he had success some success in the NFL you don't get picked 17th overall you know first round 17th pick unless you have tools so Josh Freeman the Montreal Alou- Alouettes and Mike Schumer have got a quarterback that has tools he can make all the throws Body wise, he's a. I read one. I read one scout talk about that he's like Cam Newton in regards to what he possesses with arm strength and what he possesses with his his frame, and it, it it's it's real. Uh, the one thing that you hear about, uh, I talked to someone who actually played with with Josh, and the discussion was accuracy, and that he didn't have accuracy and didn't seem to. Uh, be getting better and that was kind of the issue I think happened there is he his he wasn't getting better you hear conversations uh, I've read of these conversations of some immaturity issues so you know but these are you know he he was young and in, in the league and now he's probably matured and he's he's learning now he's getting a, a second chance but you talk talent you talk talent and the Owls have got a guy who who is a, a talented talented quarterback so uh, you know from that standpoint and he's you know what, Mike Sherman's bringing in a new system anyway. So the good thing is, is everyone's starting fresh. So we talk about the Owls having three rookie quarterbacks or three young quarterbacks. It wouldn't matter who was there to a certain extent uh, because obviously reading defenses will make a whole lot of difference. But everyone's learning from scratch out there in Montreal. So at least makes it, you know, a little bit closer in that regard for, uh, you know, for a, for a fresh guy to come and take that take that job. Yeah, it feels like that's exactly what this organization really needs in Montreal. So, I mean, hey, it remains to be seen. But he, but Freeman's also got some mobility as well. He averaged five and a half yards a carry yeah. when he did run with the ball. Not that he did it an overwhelming a lot of times uh, in the National Football League, but you know, just under 400 yards on 68 carries. Uh, a guy who's shown that when he needs to, we'll see how that translates again to the bigger field. You need to have a little bit of that mobility. Uh, he's got the size, he's got the strength. And I'll tell you what, you know, Davis, when you're six foot six, 240 pounds, uh, that's a big, like we're talking almost like a big Ben Roethlisberger sort of body. Um, you know, maybe not quite as heavy as big Ben, but six, six, two forty. That's a big guy to bring down for those, some of those D linemen. Yeah, no, no doubt about and it. And linebackers or DBs for that man. matter. That's like you're going to have to hit a guy and hit him hard to bring him down. So uh, it, it's an intriguing camp for Montreal to see. Uh, I, I also think that they're going to need to address having a veteran guy in there, whether they ultimately decide to keep Drew Willie just as a guy who can be a veteran 
uh, with quarterback experience in the CFL. I don't know if you can go with Freeman, uh, Schiltz, uh, Pipkin uh, as, as your three-headed monster. You know, maybe there's the possibility. We've talked about it before. Uh, Travis Lule is possibly a fit there. But, um, yeah, Montreal, they're, they're, I guess they're hopeful that, you know, another NFL sort of cast-off can be that guy. And and listen, in fairness, and this isn't just a, a quick sample size for Josh Freeman, uh, he was up here last summer and and worked out he with was. the team. I so saw, there's, saw he's obviously been the on the radar, right? I saw him at a game last year on the sidelines. So he was he was there, and that's the conversation, you know, what, what happened there, why they didn't sign him at that time, because they also didn't have quarterback. So the, the, something didn't work out between them that he didn't sign at that point in time. But – Another another note, I do want to touch on uh, the Travis Lule situation because yep. his name is being tossed around as a possible guy. I really have uh, I really have my doubts that Travis would want to um and we just I just spoke about this in regards to Darian moving, you know, staying closer to home at that this point in his career. And I think Travis is is on that same on that same road. I don't think that I don't think that he's going to want to leave and go unless the situation was ideal. Uh, I think he likes what he he's got his whole family there. He's got young kids. He's been there a long time. I don't see him coming off a major injury. Nothing's going to be handed to him in Montreal in regards to because of it where he's sitting with his injury. Nothing's there's no security in what's going on there um, in regards to you know the football side of things. So for that reason, I don't think that Travis is, is going to be a fit at all. I think Travis would be much happier at this point in his life to to be a backup. Uh, NBC and and to once he gets healthy to fight for that job again that you know to be fair is 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 rightfully his for what he showed uh, in his sample there that I think you can you can wipe Travis's you can keep Travis's name on that list because he's a guy who might be available but you can wipe his name off the list because it's it's not going to be a fit. Well, again, it goes back, I guess, to you know destination where his family is, and in, in just you know northern Washington State, and does he want to go all the way across the continent? It's one thing if it would be in a scenario going to Edmonton or maybe to Calgary, where it's a, a ninety-minute flight or something, or just over an hour flight compared to you know a five-hour flight uh, in commitment. It's not like it's a drive either, right? So, or yeah, a team that was loaded. Yeah. loaded with a system or ready and weapons that yeah. were already exactly that's a, that's another scenario where his fam, family might say you know what Trav you only got a few years left we'll pack up and, and we'll come there for six months and let's do this but with the uncertainty in regards to everything going on like you say ready to win I don't think it's happening yeah, okay. So uh, how about a feel-good story? Kevin Glenn, I, I mean, I don't know how much he loves moving around, but at the same time, uh, Kevin Glenn is, uh, he, he's, hit, he's hit them all. He's hit them all. He's been uh, a member of the organization. Didn't necessarily play uh, in a game for every team, but uh, by signing with the Edmonton Eskimos to back up Mike Riley for this 2018 season, Kevin Glenn has officially run the CFL gamut, having been a member of all nine active CFL teams here uh <laughs> By, by making this move this week. Uh, in one breath, you kind of chuckle. I'm happy to see this, though, man. Like, I'm kind of happy this happened. I don't know. Is that quirky to say? I don't know. But I will. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Um, it, might, it might take a second to, to, to hear that. But uh, here it is. Here it is. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Kevin Glenn. Still 
He get around. Kevin Glenn gets around. Shout out to Kevin Glenn, little Tupac. I get around. Shout out to Kevin Glenn. Been on every team. And you do get around, brother. He does get around. He does get around. And so in a, but in a good way. In a good you know, and this speaks again to the versatility and to where there has been value and whether or not he ultimately winds up being a CFL Hall of Famer or not, but I think every organization can say that he's never hurt the organization he's never embarrassed an organization he's been a good soldier a good teammate everywhere you go everybody's always said he's been a likable guy and uh kevin glenn is is on again and you know and show that there's still gas left in the tank right and ultimately was he the answer for for the riders no he wasn't the answer but at the same time um he he was the guy who, by and large, was the guy at quarterback for most of the season for the Riders and got them back into the playoffs or helped get them back into the playoffs in 2017. So I think this seems to be an ideal fit for him for uh, an Edmonton team that will can legitimately contend for a Grey Cup in 2018, and it's a good scenario for where you don't have to worry about some individual of the future like a James Franklin. It's Mike Riley's team. And KG is there in the event that Mike uh, goes down in any way, shape, or form. It's a great insurance policy. It's a nice payday for Kevin. I feel like that's a win-win on both levels. Um, conversely, and, and you know what, James? Yeah. One thing about Kevin Glenn I want to say before we, we, we end on Kevin Glenn, I do want to say one thing about Kevin Glenn. I just I, I feel just it's important. One. <laughs> Kevin, you get around. All right. I feel like I would have gone with the nerdier uh, sort of uh, Beach Boys round, round, get around. I get around. Thank I you for thank around. you That's thank you great. making a thank you for yeah. making us hipper and fresher uh, at this stage yeah, of the yeah, game, yeah. buddy. Uh, so John, still keeping with quarterbacks, Jonathan Jennings. Uh, he uh, worked. He reworked his deal um, with the BC Lions, and I think this is all about. It's still a one-year deal, but this is all this is all, I guess, to help try to get him some protection or get some body armor in front of him to try to uh, address a Lions offensive line that was not very good last year. No, and I don't know. I don't know uh, if this. I don't. I don't see this as being uh, to get him some some protection i think they have to get him protection regardless of what he does with his contract i think uh the the reality is that might be how it's being spun but the reality is is he didn't produce and he didn't he didn't produce last year and he didn't earn the contract that they had that he had signed two years ago and so they had to restructure and if that restructure meant they can sign some old linemen and even better because i'm a fan of jj and i think he can be a very good quarterback in this league. He's young. He's got all the tools. So if they had to make him earn some more money due to incentives and they want to spin it as they're doing it to build the O-line, that's uh, <laughs> they can say what they want to say and all the merrier as long as everybody's happy. But uh, J.J. has MOP-type tools. So let's, uh, let's see him bring it back uh, with a new offensive line. Now uh, we just talked about. Do you, do you anticipate them going to find a, a, a veteran in that scenario to well, to, we'll, to work we'll alongside talk. to work alongside Jonathan, or or could you go with Alex? Uh, could you go with uh, Alex Ross's? You know, uh, the backup, I guess, uh, for this upcoming season. Yeah, they like. I know they like Alex Ross. So so I think that you know, with if Trav's still on the roster, depending on 
you know, what happens and how his progress is uh, in his rehab. And I think they can go with Alex Ross. If Travis is still on the roster, for sure they can because they know eventually uh, Travis will be ready to go. So I think that's that. I think they're fine at the quarterback position right now. Definitely wouldn't be going out trying to find guys with CFL experience or guys they would pay. You know, they'll, they'll bring in, I'm sure, some college guys to to push. But uh, but yeah, I think the Lions are pretty good at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this has been the 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 off season of the quarterback. It's fascinating how we could spend an entire episode last week focusing on the quarterback position, and here we are again a week later with a whole bunch of fresh new stuff to digest. And we barely even talked Johnny football. We'll leave that for our guest here this week, Chez, right? We'll leave that for Chris O'Leary from CFL.ca. Yeah, we're going to get Chris O'Leary on here now. He's uh, the boss man of of literature, or one of them, over there at (laughs) CFL.ca. And he was was out there uh, in Alberta, in Banff, and uh, yeah, let's let's bring Chris on to tell us what's happening and what happened uh, last week out there in Banff. Let's do it. It is uh, Chris O'Leary from CFL.ca talking all things this week on the Waggle, and don't forget the Waggle brought to you by Sport Clips. Remember, you can also style and profile just like us by visiting the nearest Sport Clips closest to you. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Find a Sport Clips nearest you at sportclips.ca. Let's get into Chris O'Leary next on The Waggle. Pleased to be joined at this time by uh, one of the authoritative voices, or at least uh, keyboard uh, warriors, uh, when it comes to talking all things CFL from CFL.ca, Chris O'Leary. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the Waggle, my friend. I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be on. Uh, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, thank you for carrying Davis through the postseason <laughs> and so many of those games during the Western <laughs> Semis and the Western Final. I mean, Chez, it's nice to see somebody else can babysit you for a change instead of me. It was nice to have. It was nice that we, CFL.ca, our budget this year allowed us to get somebody out west that could actually contribute to the coverage <laughs> this season, not like in seasons past, uh, Mr. Sabolski. Yes. Ah, shots fired. Uh, hey, it was a bit of a homecoming, uh, so to speak, to be uh, to be back in uh, Alberta last week uh, with uh, yeah. great minds gathering in Banff. Uh, nice time of the year. I, I don't know if you brought your skis or not, but... Uh, I guess first things first, what was your big takeaway? I mean, a lot, uh, lots of discussion. It's been a busy off season already, but what was your uh, maybe big takeaway mm-hmm. uh, to, to kick things off here? Uh, I, I thought it was just, for me, it was interesting just to see all the GMs kind of together at the same time. Jim Pop wasn't there, but then we had eight out of the nine. Uh, just all kind of in the same room. Uh, and, and it was kind of cool just to, to catch them at, at this time of the year where I think maybe Ken Austin excluded uh, there's, there's not a lot of pressure on these guys, and uh, you know, I think Ken's tr- you know, trying his hardest to work something out with Johnny Menzel, but uh, the other GMs, uh, and, and, and I think Ken was good too, but like, I, I think everybody was kind of a little bit more laid back than you would catch them during the season when, when they're, um, they're worrying about every little aspect and facet of their team. Uh, so it, it was nice to kind of just catch people in, in a, a downtime of the year and uh, catch them a little, a little more open and uh, a, a little more, I guess, accommodating. It was, and I think when they... They have more time, like they do at this time of year. It's uh, helpful for us, and uh, so it, it was fun. It was, it was a good way to kind of see everybody in different light. And I think it, at the same time, it was sort of um, a way for Randy Ambrosie to kind of put his stamp on the week. I mean, this is uh, kind of his initiative, taking the meetings, moving from Vegas out to Banff, and uh, changing the time of year. I think he normally did them right after the Great Cup, 
and uh, to just to do them in January when everyone's kind of recharged a little bit from the holidays and, and kind of ready to get into the new year. It was uh, it was cool. I mean, I, I think it was a good experience for uh, for everybody. Let's go from this standpoint. You spent some time covering Ed Hervey in Edmonton, and mm-hmm. now here he is in BC. And I think you know, being here in Vancouver. You know, the one thing I, I kind of get a sense that seeing Ed Hervey on the back end of his time in Edmonton, you know, I just remember being at a practice, you know, during the postseason in 2016. And it was just, you know, he just seemed like a different guy, just very, hey, get out of here. You're not allowed to stand around here. And it was like, wow. And not to say that right. he's got to be my best friend or anything like that, but there was just, there was an arrogant approach, it felt like, with Ed Hervey and a real distance uh, from you know, the people that cover the team on the day-to-day. And listen, he doesn't have to be their friends, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I, that that's not going to work to help sell tickets in a market that's that's struggling, to put it mildly right now. what Do you do you see something different? Because it seems like there's a kinder, gentler Ed Hervey right now uh, since he's taken over here in Vancouver. What, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was funny to see uh, even the first five, ten minutes uh, I spent with him, uh, I think it was uh, Tuesday in Banff, um, and he had just arrived and it, it kind of felt like, um, the end of old, like before he was the, the Eskimos GM. I mean, I think I was, I was around that from 2008, uh, through until, uh, so 2015. And, uh, you know, before he got that GM job, he was, um, you know, very approachable. He's probably one of the most friendly guys you'd see around the facility when he was at the, in the yeah. scouting side of it. And, uh, and, and, and he was, it was kind of back to that. And, you know, and maybe part of it, like I was saying before, is that you, you've, caught these guys at a time of year where they're, they're not as much, uh, under as much pressure and, and it's uh, a, a little easier for them. But, um, but no, it was nice. And it was, uh, you know, I think one of the things he said to me and uh, I, th- I think one of our PR guys, uh, Olivia Poulin, uh, you know, he, he kept, uh, he was joking about being anti-media and he said, you know, like I'm, I'm not. And like, he, I think he learned, I think some things from, from his time at Edmonton and uh, no, like you were saying, James, there was uh, just a feeling, I think, when, when he was in Edmonton and sitting in the GM chair and, you know, he was always around to practice and stuff, but he just didn't, he wasn't approachable. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he was very tightly wound. I think he, he I kind of, he wore that crown kind of heavily, right? And do you uh, think, I, I think Chris, he had to do a lot of learning along the way. Right? Chris, Chris, do you think, I mean, you, you made a great point, me and you were talking uh, earlier yesterday. You made a, a point, and I, I thought this was great, that this time of year, you think about the pressure that's on, you know, GMs, head coaches, Guys in that in that position responsible for so much as the year goes, we we take it for the season. The fans and and even us, we take mm-hmm. a pretty good break in the off season, and and you know it's a six month, seven month deal. But for for these guys, it doesn't stop. You made a great point that this is about the only time of year where right now there's really not a lot going on, and there's still a lot going on, but there's not yeah. a lot going on for them in regards to compared to the rest of the rest of the season. Is that? Do you feel that way, uh, having the guys around right now without a ton going on, that they were different than when you find that other places, say the Combine or the Great Cup or other, other places where they're all together? I think so, and, and I think each GM is different, but I think ultimately I think they all know that whatever decisions are made under their watch, it, it kind of falls on them getting bad, right? And, and I think that that's a pressure they carry, uh, like you said, at the Combine. Uh, through training camp, when the season gets going, and, you know, when you season off to a good or a bad start, I think, I think a GM is always worried about what's in front of them and what's you know, five, six, seven steps ahead of them. They're, they're always thinking about the future as well. So I think this, this was kind of a, a unique time where you know, you're still a good month away from free agency. Um, most of the GMs, I think, have kind of re-signed the key guys for their teams that they, they've wanted or they've made the changes that they've wanted to make. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the tiny eye of the hurricane, right, where uh, you, you've... 
got that little bit of downtime. I think they kind of relaxed. And James, James, let me throw this one at you as well. It's it's funny because you mentioned Ed Hervey and how he was previously, and I felt the same thing. I played with Ed. Uh, I have a relationship with Ed, and you know when he did come on, we were there the same the same week in Edmonton playoffs, and he might have been focused. It's an important week. It was the Western playoffs, so it's important. But he did come there, you know, sunglasses on, hat on, you know, very like not approachable, like you like you said. Do you think, and, and now I've noticed him different in my interaction with him since he's been in BC, and now Chris saying the same thing, I've noticed different. Do you, do you think he's learned something? And do you think, and this goes to what we do as well, and, and coaches as well, you have this perception of what it's supposed to be like to be a GM when you see them on TV, or uh, even for broadcasting, like when we do stuff, I, had to, I catch myself still. And it's one of the things you try not to do is get that voice. Hi, I'm Davis. Like, no one wants to hear that junk. They just you talk mean like to me, I, you know? how I talk. <laughs> but, you, but that's how, you, if anyone who knows you, that's how you talk normally. That's the, that's the thing. That's, that's why you're a natural, but you do kind of, that's how you talk normally. But for me to talk like, hi, I'm Davis, I sound like an idiot. But it's, it's not kind of how I equate that to Ed. And, and to how you see him. It's like, that's not the Ed that I saw before. It's, it's that he's now doing what he thinks you're supposed to do as a GM to keep that. And then I think to a point you can't be, you know, goofy or you can't be too close to people. Like you said, James, I don't want to be your best friend, but you, and you do have to have that aura about you. I've said it about other guys who wanted these jobs who were candidates for jobs in the past, whether it's a head coach or GMs. And I look and I say, you know what? You've heard me say this, James. He just doesn't have that it factor. And whether he knows X's knows or he's a nice guy or you can trust him, if you don't walk down the sideline or you don't walk in the room and have that presence about you, yeah. you just can't lead. And, and I think maybe Ed had that feeling, uh, you know, when he, when he first got the job. Chris, you, you, you tell me. I mean, it's to me, talking to Ed, in my experience since he's taken over here in Vancouver, I think there's a hint mm-hmm. of, hey – I'm a bit of a victim of circumstance. It wasn't really, you know, my scenario. But that being said, uh, it does does feel like he's a little more approachable. And again, it might be the off season. Then there's, you know, definitely different mindsets for for human beings during the season and during mm-hmm. the off season in pro sports. And I'll give you a perfect example for anybody that's a hockey fan. Mark Crawford, when Mark Crawford was a coach of the Vancouver Canucks, he earned the nickname Summer Crow and <laughs> Winter Crow and Summer Crow, Mark Crawford was yeah. affable and enjoyable and a pleasure to talk to and be around. And it was, hey, Chris, hey, Davis, hey, James, how are you guys? But, you know, in the winter, he'd he'd walk right through you and, and you would he wouldn't see you. He would, you know, or, or he would make a point <laughs> yeah. of ignoring you because it was the season hey. and he was in game mode. Tell me this, Chris, that it, going further, further that take the listeners in a little bit and, and myself as well. What was it like around the beautiful uh, Fairmont Vamp Springs there in, you know, around the hotel when they weren't in meetings and stuff? Is it, and I don't need details specifically as to who and how, but would, would, would you see several, several GMs at a table that they didn't have to be at together, not in the meeting sense, but just sitting there at a bar, four GMs beside each other, eating and drinking together? Or on their off time, did you see, no, I just, I'm curious to see mm-hmm. the dynamic of, of people. I'm sure that the listeners are as well. Would you see four, five GMs and coaches sitting together, or would you see kind of guys with their own brats kind of going through things and, and hanging out with their families or their, their people on their own yeah. staff? Um, it, was, it, it was interesting just that I don't think there was a ton of 
staff with these guys. So I think maybe by circumstance, they were sort of lumped together. And I know you'd walk through kind of a common area and they had the, the big kind of, uh, I guess, the vista views of the, the mountains and stuff, these big, huge windows and the tables set up by them. And, you know, you'd walk by and you'd see Ken Austin and Ed Herbie sitting together and, and having a chat right. or, uh, you know, Cavus and, uh, and Chris Jones kind of BSing together and, and hanging out. And uh, so yeah, it, it was interesting that way. It was, it was funny. Um, I think, Brock Sutherland uh, approached Ed when I was talking with him that Tuesday. And uh, I think that might've been the first time they met. And, and, and and I I was really surprised because Brock just went up to him right away and, you know, introduced himself. They, you know, were kind of happy to meet each other and Brock went right into it and just said like, you know, I've I've got a trade I want to talk to you about later. And uh, Ed was like, yeah, okay, cool. And, uh, and they they kind of parted ways, but uh, it was, it was a a cool environment and uh, it was, it was cool to see just the, uh, probably what, what happens normally over phone and text just to happen in person. I right? said, these guys were all around each other and able to t- kind of talk shop and, and kind of quote ideas around each other. Yeah, that's great insight. Thank you for that. Frank, thank you for that. That Brock and Ed, uh, is, is interesting to, to hear that play out right there in, in front of you. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. that would, that would be, uh, that's interesting to hear. I got this practice roster player I want to trade uh, Manny Arsenal for. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> make that cool. Uh, I, you swing for the fences first, right, I, and then work your way back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Shoot high, shoot high. Uh, Chris, t- tell me this. I mean, it's the story that won't go away. I thought you had a very interesting article uh, a few days ago on CFL.ca where you spoke to pretty much every general manager, and you spoke to them uh, using their quotes anonymously with respect to Johnny Men's Johnny football. Look, I mean, to me and and Davis, we've talked about this on this show multiple, multiple times, and it's a story that until there's finality to it, uh, this is not going away and it just continues to get bigger and bigger. It's the biggest story in years. And for everyone, and for everyone, I'm going to add this too, because we've been going through this a lot. I get a lot of messages Mm -hmm. about who gives a crap about Johnny. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Yes, we all get it. But in the same thing, as many, and let's say this. And so, so to our listeners who some of you guys hate to hear this Johnny stuff, if you want to talk about the guys who are in the league playing now, and I respect that, I understand that too. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about them too as free agency is coming up real quickly here. But it's, it's, the reality is I get just as many, not just as many, I get five times as many people, as soon as I run into somebody now or somebody calls me, the first thing they tell me, they say to me is, hey, what's up with Johnny Manziel? So I know for the loyal Diehard CFL fans, they're like, they want to move on. They want to see, half want to see him sign, half don't. But they don't want to hear about the crap no more. But to get the other 70% of the population who's not on board, they're all asking about Johnny. So, so we'll, uh, there's my take on that one. Yeah, no, no. So, so Chris, so what was, your, what, was your, what was your takeaway to kind of hear uh, what's the sense in the mindset from rival GMs, from current, you know, from yeah. the GMs out there? Do they want to see this happen? Uh, are they skeptical? What's your sense? I, I, it was kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I think some GMs were, were very intrigued and said, you know, I, I think one of them had said, you know, you're talking about a guy who dominated in the SEC, which to him was the, the, the best football conference in the world. If you've got a guy that can dominate at that level against future NFL players, there's no question in his mind that he could, that Angel could come here and, and do the same thing. Eric and, Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say for, for the record that Eric Tillman was not there. Yeah, but, uh, that, if somebody <laughs> to the SEC horn, I'm going Tillman. But yeah. all right. All right. Okay. I, took, but, um, I took a shot. I took a shot. A, a shot in the dark, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was that mixed bag, though. And I, and I think from some GMs, I almost got indifferent. You know, they, they said, you know, we'll, we'll see when he gets here. And, uh, you know, they, they weren't putting stock in it. 
some you got the feeling that they just didn't see that route of going after big name players, uh, putting them on your necklace and things like that, and hoping that they show up is really worth your time. Or, or you know, you get in the situation where the Tigers had started out with with Manville, where he's made a, a pretty lofty uh, demand to uh, to kind of move this thing forward. You know, you you do kind of wonder if if it's worth your time. But um, there was there was a range where I think the consensus was he's a good football player if he has his head on straight, if he's committed to being a good football player, and then from that to you know this, this guy could you know live up to the hype that that June Jones threw out there with with you guys a, a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, just the the, the wide range, but I think across the board there's interest, and I think if he does get here, I think everyone's going to be watching. I, but I base this just on the sample size of informal polling people that are, you know, non, I would say casual to non-CFL fans here in this market in Vancouver, and they are of the opinion that if Johnny Manziel was coming to town, they'd go and see him play. So he would clearly be a guy who sells tickets in this market. I think yeah, I think he's going to sell tickets in a lot of markets. I think Montreal is somebody who he would probably sell tickets for in that market. Uh, Toronto probably. Uh, it's just a story that's not going away. It's, it's fascinating, and, I, and I, I love the fact that everybody's got an opinion on it. And you know what? Good or bad, people have opinions on it. So it clearly means that people are going to be watching whether you want to hear it or, Chesie, you don't want to hear it, right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mixed bag. I, I can understand. No, I understand what people say when they write and they say, enough of this guy. I get it, too. So I can see, I can see both sides. I'm sick of hearing about it. But I also love talking about it. So if that yeah. makes any it, sense, it would be it would be nice if the story could progress. If if we could just kind of, we, I feel like we stalemate, right? Like like we'll have a, a inch of progress, something happens, and then we have to analyze that for a couple of weeks. And it would be nice to just kind of get things in motion and either, you know, sign them or don't. Well, them or not we'll, we'll see we'll see where this get, get some resolution to it yeah i guess we'll see where this uh this this uh artificially imposed deadline as ken austin called it uh set by manzel's representatives and see if there's any truth to that but we're i guess two weeks away from from that date uh coming so we'll see if something something comes of it sooner rather than later uh just i guess uh closing topic but uh expansion to atlantic canada it came up again uh in banff uh, how realistic is this from happening and how close is this from happening it sounds like you know the the people that, uh, that have been identified i'm familiar with some of them mm-hmm. and anthony leblanc good business guy guy who's got a good track record uh and and there's some good people in place but how likely is this happening and how soon is this likely to happen um i mean i i think um, and really, I mean, I, I know as much just from watching the clips and, and listening to Randy talk about this or read the article that, where he's, he's been interviewed about it. But I mean, I, I think the, the sticking point is just getting it right. And like you mentioned, the ownership group seems good. I think that's, you know, a, a staple like that. That's a, a deal breaker. If you don't have that, you know, why bother? Uh, I think it seems like they have a good ownership group. Um, the, the venue is going to be the, the huge thing and how long it takes to get that together. But, um, but I think from, from Randy's side of it, I, I think he'd love to get this done. I think, I think uh, you know, he, he talked about this kind of completing the league. Uh, I think in Banff, he told Dave Naylor it was kind of the 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 last, similar to like the the last nail that the National Railroad put down when they when they completed that. And uh, you know, I, I think he would love to see it. And just in terms of balancing the league out, putting five teams in each uh, each division, uh, and, and just I think the most important thing, like Randy said as well, is just including Atlantic Canada. And you know, I, I was born out there. I've got a ton of family out there. And uh, I, I think they would just embrace it, and you know, I think it'd be similar to the Riders, where it's not where it's not just a city, but it was a province. I think out, out in the Maritimes, it's an entire chunk of the country that would just embrace this and, and kind of flock to it. And uh, you know, I, I think they 
they support the, the sports that they do have out there, whether it's youth sport or AHL teams or, you know, the semi-pro basketball teams that have come out there over the years, uh, junior hockey. Uh, I, I think if, you know, it's one of the things that you, you set it up, you do it the right way, you build it, I think the people will come. I think it'll be a great thing for the, the league in the country. Yeah, I was going to say similar to, to – Sorry, sorry, James, go ahead, bud. No, I was just going to say just quickly uh, to, to that point, I mean, it sounds like all signs are pointing Halifax, but, you know, Ches, you, you, spent, uh, you spent a great deal of your playing career in, in Montreal. I don't know if you can sp- speak to it completely in terms of uh, Atlantic Canada, but do you know there's been some suggestions by some people that say Moncton would be the better destination because it's more accessible to more Atlantic Canada cities that can make that as the better destination as opposed to Halifax, even though Halifax is the larger municipality. Yeah. What do you, it's what do you, the corporate dollars. It's got to be yeah, Halifax because, I, because I the, cor- the corporate money tells me it's got to be Halifax from, from a business standpoint. And, but I was going to say, I was going to say that it actually reminds me, and Chris, uh, you talked about just how they, how those people in, in the prairies or part of me in Atlantic Canada, in the Maritimes, uh, you know, what's there, what's there, they love. And that's kind of how you yeah. know, talked about the support. And that's, it's, it's similar to Quebec and in much the Alouettes haven't had that recently, but they used to. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, obviously, obviously you see what, ha- see what happens in Quebec, uh, how they support things. And I see the same thing uh, in the Maritimes, it's just what's there, they love. And I think they will, I know I, I spend a lot of time. I have a lot of family out there as well and they support what's theirs. I think it'll be, it'll be a huge success. Uh, in the Maritimes as well, so look for look forward to it, and uh, I, th- I think it's coming like it's coming sooner than later. Yeah, I think so, and I think a great cup out there would be absolutely phenomenal. I think that that would be something if you're out there and able to experience that. I think it'd be something that you'd never forget. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll, no we'll hold drink, it. No we'll hold it though. in September. No, <laughs> September great cup. No drink. September no drinking. Yes, exactly. That that safety first, everybody. Okay. Safety first. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, Chris. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for popping in. I appreciate the insight. You do a great job on CFL.ca. If people want to uh, check in on uh, anything else more, where, where can we find you on uh, Twitter on social media? Yeah, on Twitter, it's uh, O'Leary Chris, and uh, I have a Facebook page. I think it's by Chris O'Leary. All right, there you go. Well, uh, there there you go, everybody. If you want to go stalk Chris O'Leary, now you know where to hunt him down. Uh, and welcome to stalk He's kind of he's kind of funny. He's kind of funny. Check him out. <laughs> there we go. That's, there's the stamp of approval from Chez right there. Uh, Chris O'Leary from CFL.ca talking all things Canadian Football League. Joining us this week on The Waggle. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week.